Hey, everybody, it's JT from Grilling at the Green. John Breaker and the great folks at Birdie Ball have a short time offer for all of you listeners. You just go to birdieball.com, and when you place your order, there's a place on that form for a discount code. Use G-A-T-G. That's G-A-T-G. Of course, it stands for Grilling at the Green. And you will get 20% off anything you order from birdieball.com. Now, it's a short-time offer. It expires in about a week, so you want to get on it. Go to birdieball.com, place your order, uh, use the code G-A-T-G, and get 20% off. You heard it here on Grilling at the Green. Welcome to Grilling at the Green After Hours, conversation that took place after the broadcast ended. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Hey everybody, welcome to After Hours here on Grilling at the Green. I'm JT and we're talking with Gary Van Sickle. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about, we were talking about Tiger a little bit in the last segment there, Gary. I thought when we watched him play the thing um, with Mickelson and Brady um, um, and Peyton, uh, I thought he looked pretty healthy in watching that show and it was a fun show i agree with you i mean that was some of the best golf tv i'd well we hadn't seen any for months but i actually enjoyed really a lot watching that but i thought he looked pretty pretty good he he was driving it on a string which the last thing you expected from him and i know it's just playing for fun at medalist and he didn't look like it was backing down a whole you know backing off it a whole lot and, uh, you know, throttling down. And I know it's just a fun outing, but if, if he can drive it on a string like that, I mean, he's always been the best iron player in the game. if not history. Sure. He's always been a pretty good putter. comes and goes a little bit. Uh, if he can drive it like that, there's no tournament. He can't still win. That's what I thought was scary. Impressive out of thing. The second coolest thing in that thing was, I don't know what it was, those cart, those cameras in the carts, it, it, they, you know, the cart started moving and, and here's, you're watching Tiger drive the cart or you're watching Manning or these guys drive the cart. It put you, that visual put you in the cart with them. It was so much fun. And then the announcers could talk to these guys and ask them stuff, which, okay, was all right. And there was some good banter here and there, Yeah, but it was like riding along. And the fact that they were in carts, they got to the ball pretty quick. So the, the show moved much faster than regular golf. I don't know if you saw the one earlier where they tried a Seminole with the TaylorMade outing and all these right. Rory and Dustin Johnson, and you got four guys who are never going to say anything interesting, and, and they're walking and carrying their bags. Well, it takes all day to get to their next ball, so either there's dead air or they're doing commercials. Uh, and these guys, meanwhile, plus you had Charles Barkley in the mix. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly – who else besides me wants Barkley on CBS right now doing golf? Uh, put him in the, get rid of Faldo, put him in the tower with Nance right now. It'd be way, way better. So it was, it was, I think it may have been the best silly season exhibition golf telecast I've ever seen. Uh, one or two of the skins games were pretty good. The year Fred Funk and Annika played and Fred put on a skirt. Yeah. He's lining up. He's lining up a putt. You know, Tiger was waiting for it. He was bending down, the, squatting down in the skirt on, lining up a putt, and Tiger gets over behind him. And he goes, I think I think it's two balls out, Fred. And uh, 
you know, the place was up for great. Who would think Tiger would do a risque joke like that on TV? It was just hilarious. And one, some of those years when Trevino was out playing in the desert. Oh, yeah. Uh, PGA West, some of those, Trevino made their shows. But there haven't been, hasn't been a lot of good ex- TV exhibition golf. But that, that show was, I was, I was shocked. I thought it would be, I had no expectations for it. I thought Manning and especially Brady would be a big stiff. And Manning was terrific. Oh yeah, he was great. Phil, Phil was good, and you know, and Barkley added a little something extra. So it was the Tiger didn't say a whole lot. He was all right, but but when he said it, show and you had, you had four, you had two golfers you cared about. Yeah, and you had two football players you you, you felt like you knew because they're so famous. Versus the TaylorMade thing, you know, was here's a couple TaylorMade guys. You know, yeah. I mean, Dustin Johnson's a nice guy. I like him. I get along with him real well. Uh, but I don't know anybody whose favorite golfer is Dustin Johnson. You know, I just don't, I don't think you know, he doesn't get anybody excited. He just looks, the game looks so easy for him. I don't think people are, I don't think he has to, you know, yeah, he was well, like him, but it's just like, yeah, he's a good, he's a good player. That's yeah. He's a great player. And, but, and I'm you know him, I've never met him, but he seems like a real pleasant guy and all that, but he doesn't talk much. He's real quiet. Um, you know, maybe if he says something out of line, Paulina whacks him in the head with a nine iron. I have no idea, but you know, you got that. But what I wanted to go back to was we were talking about Barkley and Barkley giving Brady such a hard time. And then Brady, you know, um, cans that one from 150 or whatever it was. And he turns around and he looks at the camera and goes, suck that Chuck. I about fell out of my chair. I was laughing so hard at that. That was great. That was you know? great. Cause that's what, you know, it was like being part of the foursome. Those those guys were talking back to each other. Yeah. I thought that Chatter got a little over the top to become intrusive. You know, Brady was really struggling, and uh, Kepka's offering the hundred thousand dollars if he just hit the green, and Barkley's putting up money. I felt like, you know, leave the guy alone. He's got enough pressure. Yeah. You know, I I, I almost felt like, uh, you know, a guy in Pittsburgh. I was this close to feeling sorry for Tom Brady. I'm never going to feel sorry for him. <laughs> <laughs> the guy in Pittsburgh to say that. I, yeah. Like, that's how bad it was. I thought, like, you don't need to, that's not helping him. Just, you know, right. leave him alone. Let him right. play golf. Let him try to play golf. But I, so you figured, you knew that, you figured the amateurs were going to gag their brains out because they probably haven't played much with guys like Tiger and Phil. And they certainly not played a whole lot with, in front of, with cameras around. And in this case, they know they got millions of viewers. There's nobody, Unless you're tournament top, top, and even if you are tournament top, even a top amateur or somebody would be nervous. Even a corn fairy guy would be nervous. Oh, sure. So that, that show turned out well, and uh, it really was a surprisingly good way to restart the golf season. And you know, that's been a high bar to live up to since then. Oh, yeah. And I did like it when uh, uh, Phil asked Tiger to mark his ball and, and Tiger, Tiger said, you want me to mark that with my, um, us open coin, gold coin or something like that. And, um, Phil said, well, I got a couple silver ones or something, whatever that exchange was. Yeah. And then, and then Tiger said, uh, I'm not Mark. And then Phil, if you went, if you hit my ball, you win the hole. Yeah. And then Phil just missed hitting his yep, ball. Yep. Yep. Shot right over it. Yep. So, so no, Phil, Phil was now, Phil went from trying to hit it close to trying to hit Tiger's ball. He loved both oh, yeah. those guys. They love a challenger. So they're so good at golf. They're so good at shot making. 
they love it when they have to create some trick shot or do something. It's, it really gets their blood flowing and they're two of the best ever because they rise to the occasion and they usually pull it off. I mean, sure. All these crazy, all these crazy shots that Tigers tried over the years. Can you think of any that didn't really work out? Almost every one of them out of the trouble, almost every trouble shot worked out. Well, yeah. And I'm not, still not so much, but I can, I'm trying to remember one where Tiger hit a crazy shot out of the tree that didn't come out great because he's that good. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember, and, and I won't say the word that Ernie Els said, but I read the story and watched it on TV when he was playing. It was the, I think it was the first time he played with Els or something. And Tiger, you know, did one of those things where he hit it uh, over the trees, around the swimming pool, through the hot dog stand, and puts it, you know, six inches from the pin. And L said, well, bleep me on that deal yeah. <laughs> and 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 somebody asked ernie later about it and he goes i've never seen anybody do that before he said that's yeah. i that's just well, not I, that, go when, ahead when tiger was in his when tiger was in his prime that's what i use how i used to explain him to people you know every tournament at least once a tournament in the early 2000s he, every tournament he he did something that you either that you either that never seen before, or you were sure was impossible. I mean, at least once a tournament, yeah. you'd go and, and the people who were there in person, I mean, the, the beauty of watching Tiger live is if you can get up by the back of the tee and you know, stand there behind the tee box when he hits a drive and watch the reaction of people, because when he hits the shot, you can, you could hear their voices change at first. It's like, Oh, like, Wow. And after a few seconds, when they see how high his driver went, this driver goes higher than like a sandwich shot, you know, and then it turns from awe to just laughing because it's ridiculous. He hit a driver. It's like, Oh, <laughs> yeah. you believe that kind of a thing. Yeah. And, and that's what, you know, in every tee box that happened when he hit driver, little people just had never seen anybody hit it like it. So, the, and he always hit exciting shots and won a lot of tournaments and, he, you know, he's a handsome guy. He got the thousand watt smile. He had it all. And on top of that, uh, you know, he, he had the people like somebody who, who enjoys the game and shows emotion. Yeah. And he's smiling and he fist pumps. People want that. They don't want Ben Hogan tipping the cap after a hole in one. Give me something, you know, make us feel part of it. Give me a little, you know, show me some appreciation. You know, the British fans are very, they want them. They want to, they, they love you, but you, they want you to love them back a little bit. And, you know, Tiger's winning by a million at St. Andrews in 2000. You know, he, he, he lays up on 18. He probably could have knocked it on the green. All right, so he lays up. All right, fine. You want to play that way. You can play that way. And he walks up to the thing. They're clapping. He's still in head-down mode, oblivious. They want you to look over. They want you to take your cap off and wave. Acknowledge them. Give them something. And uh, that was not Tiger, not not then. He was he was head down. He's different now, but back then he didn't do that. And the Brits were kind of like not happy. They were like, "Well, the hell, he's great, but the hell with him." Yeah, right. I just think that that whether you're sitting at home or whether you're at the course, and it doesn't matter whether it's Tiger or Phil or Rory or whoever, but whenever those 
high-level guys pull off a shot. That's what kind of, when we get on the golf course the next time and we get in a situation like that, you're always tempted instead of playing smart and, you know, just pitching it out there to the middle of the fairway, you know, 50 yards or whatever. We always, that thought crosses our mind. I wonder if I could do that. You know, then most of the time, common sense says, nah, don't do that. But once in a while, you you, you just can't help it. And I think that's where that comes from, because you say, I could do that. Well, the hell you can. Yeah, it looks, it looks, it looks, well, you know, trees are 90% air. Problem is that other 10% is 100% wood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I used to live, I used to, when I lived in the Midwest in Milwaukee, I played, you know, we had a lot of tree line courses and I'm playing out of the trees all the time. I, I felt like I was I was pretty good at hitting shots out of the trees, and I didn't need that big of an opening. I mean, yeah. as far as hitting it between branches. Now these guys, Tiger Phil, they're picking out they're picking out a window way up in a tree to hit like something through on a trajectory. Now that's not in my wheelhouse, but you say if you had to hit it between a couple of trees, I was willing to do that and pretty good at it. I thought I moved to Pittsburgh and. I, playing some more modern courses. Uh, my club home course was a, you know, you weren't in the trees unless you were pretty much out of play. There's no trees yeah. along the hole. They're right. way off out of play. And uh, I played, you know, that's been, I've been in Pittsburgh 20 over 20 years. And I got a bad feeling I've lost that tree, you know, hitting it under the branches shot. I, it just never comes up, but yeah, it's, uh, it all, it depends on where you play. Now, if you live in Los, if you live in Arizona, you're probably not very good hitting out of the trees because you've never had to do it before. Right. Right. You might know how to play out of the cactus, but uh, how to play under a cactus, out of the cactus pretty much stops anything that's near it. And the big drawback of desert golf is your ball gets in the desert area. It doesn't stop rolling until something stops it. And then it's almost always under a cactus unplayable. So you don't even hit out of the the waste areas in the desert that often because it's usually unplayable. No, we, we're pretty... So that's one reason desert golf is a sobering experience. It is. Uh, I lived in Scottsdale at one time and and uh, um, and then spent a lot of time there over the years. And you're absolutely right because you get in those waste areas and sometimes you think your ball won't stop till it gets to Tucson, you know, and because it just keeps, yeah. keeps rolling. And, uh, and that's not... For those of you who haven't played down there, a lot of that's that's not sand. That's really munched up gravel and stuff that those are on. And so, you know, you can send one fly in any direction if you're not careful out of that stuff. It's uh well you Yeah, know. I got I got some new ping wedges and I was out playing in an outing last year in Scottsdale last winter, and I was near the edge of a, you know, dry creek bread or something, but I thought I was on some grass and I could have, you know, had I could have taken a drop and gone back. Which sure. I didn't want to give up the shot, so I went ahead and played it. Yeah, it was all rock underneath there. I got took a big gouge out of the bottom of my brand new fan wedge. Yep, that really frosted me. You, you live in, yeah, you live in Scottsdale. Your clubs are going to look like they've been through World War Three in about a, three months. Yep, you're always. You know, in Vegas is worse because it's more like crushed rock. Yes, you know, it's not yeah. like you can hit it. It's in the rocks. It's not. Or Hawaii, it's lava. It's, you can't even walk in that stuff. It'll slice your shoes right up. So, uh, 
and there's no point in finding your ball because it's ruined anyway. Yeah, I just leave it. So uh, you know, it can be said for living some living a, somewhere there's grass and trees. I'm for that. Yeah, we have a lot of trees here, as you know, in in Oregon, especially on the west side of Oregon, and so you get used to hitting those kind of low punch shots out and getting it you know back in and and the window i look for for an opening is like when they've actually trimmed the trees up to about 60 feet and then i can maybe think about you know actually advancing the ball and going through that but the low hanging branches and stuff which we have tons of here it's my experience is just punch it out and just go from there you can't hit it like tiger you know (laughs) Oh. If if you were forced to play the same course every day for a year in Oregon next year, you yeah. had to play the same course every single day, which course would you choose to play? Regardless of, you know, it's going to be wide open. You're not going to have to wait. People are out of your way. What course would you be happy with playing every single day? Uh, Probably Langdon Farms because it doesn't have a lot of trees. It's got some berms and they just redid a lot of the bunkers and it's got some hills and valleys but when you get off into the waste area it's mostly just tall grass like that and i would and i personally and you can usually get out of any trouble you're in there 90 percent of the time you can get yourself out of trouble if you're in trouble uh, and, and that's good but if you play in the city of portland because the, the city of portland owns a number of courses they're great courses they're fun courses but they have lots of trees on them and sometimes i mean it's happened to me where it's taken me three shots to get out of the trees so yeah you know you keep trying that hero shot and you never get out the next thing you know you might have hit double figures if you three putted oh yeah oh yeah those snowmen are are really readily available on your scorecard in some of those courses man and and um and that can be on a par three <laughs> you know it just it it just can i've done it and uh, it's not a proud thing but yeah i would say locally langdon or the i live very close to the uh oregon golf association uh, the oga course and it's pretty open it's got some trees on it but it's pretty open um and they've got well, i was hoping by i was hoping by forcing you to answer that question that when you name one course, now you're gonna you're gonna tick off twenty other guys gonna be mad at you. So that's probably was my reason for asking it. Probably I'm trying to get you in trouble. Well, that's okay. I knew that, but I, that's why I took a breath before I answered. And also, Langdon is a sponsor of the show, so I want to be nice to them. But um, you know, we've a lot of the the superintendents and stuff here around on the private courses have gotten. Um, sharp about this and they trim those trees up for the most part and yeah there's some trees that you can get hung up in and stuff but you know if you play smart you you're more than likely unless you hit something really errant you won't you won't get stuck in you can get behind them um or you can get in the middle of them it can just roll the wrong way but getting out isn't as bad as some of the places i've played around in the country and like you were well, the, the worst part of it the worst part is when you're trying to hit a low shot under a tree from out of the rough and that rough's a little longer than you thought yep and you close the face and you shut it down you try to hit a low one and it, it just foozles through the grass it never actually gets out of the grass and it goes about 
15 feet. <laughs> and now you still got the same shot again. Yeah. Because you got a little too green. You tried to hit it a little too low and it never escaped the grass. I hate that. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. And that happens a lot around here. Well, it happens a lot everywhere, but it, it happens around here. A lot. So let me ask you this. You've, you've got a chance through all your work over the years, Gary, and covering the majors and that. And a lot of times you get to play those courses afterwards, or sometimes if they have a media day and you're there, sometimes though that's way in advance, but a lot of times you get to play afterwards out of all those courses uh, that you've played for us or whatever. And I don't know if you've ever got to play Augusta, but which one would be your favorite? Well, that's, that's tough. You know, Augusta is so iconic and it's so hard to get on. And you know every hole. You've seen it. I mean, you, you go there every year. Augusta is a place, you know, it was a, it was a, an exotic nursery before it was a golf course. So yeah. there's all this stuff out there. And it's, it's, you know, you could have a heck of a good day if you went out there and just walked 18 holes and didn't play golf. You'd, you'd be so impressed with that place. Uh, you know, your average person, the tee box, the grass on the tee box is better than, is shorter than your greens at your home course. Sure. And the fairway grass is probably as good as your greens. You just cannot, cannot believe the conditioning there. So, I mean, I, that's the course everybody, I played there twice. That's the course everybody asks you about, but it's, it's spectacular. That 10th hole is my favorite spot. You know, it's about 110 foot drop from the tee to the green. Yeah. And I love standing down by the standing down by the tenth green and looking back up that hill, and you can maybe just catch the top of the chimney of the clubhouse from down there. It, and there's a lot of you know a lot of flowering trees down there in the spring. It's just a it's a gorgeous spot, but you look back up that hill and you just go in and wow, what a place! Yeah. So I mean that's that's the easy answer. But let's face it, you you can't play Pebble Beach without being in awe of the of the scenery and yes. Uh, Whistling Straits is kind of the pebble beach of the Midwest of Wisconsin. And that's not a course I'm a big fan of, but when you play there, you it feels special. You're on a bluff on a green looking down the, down at Lake Michigan. It feels like pebble beach, even though it's uh, some kind of Pete Dye crossword puzzle. <laughs> uh, I mean, I hate, to, I, hate to, I hate to throw Whistling Straits in the same thing. I, you know, you know, I guess I was out there and played Band of Dunes courses about five years ago, and I loved every one of those. I mean, those were those were as memorable as anything. There, what you're really looking for is something that's not just a good golf course, but you want a golfing experience. Right. And a lot of times, frankly, that includes the scenery, a water view, an ocean view, or whatever. Uh, those and, and you got those at Band of Dunes, so you know you can't discount Pebble. Uh, I, I like the Olympic Club. If you play there in the winter when it's soft and wet and the ball doesn't go anywhere, and you get on that uh, the fourth hole of par three, you can see the it's not cloudy. You can see the top of the Golden Gate Bridge sticking right. up over the trees in the distance. That that's a cool course when the ground is soft. When the when it's firm in June, it's a terrible course for you. It's open, it's lousy. But in the winter, it's a pretty it's a pretty good track. So those would be those are ones that stand out. Pine Valley. Everyone's excited about that because you, you know you have to be born there to play there. Just about, it's like Augusta. It's hard to get in, but it's it's kind of been obsoleted by distance, and so is Cypress Point. That you could never that if the Pebble Beach tournament was still there, oh my gosh, somebody would have shot fifty-seven on Cypress Point by now. Yeah, 
Um, it doesn't mean it's bad. It just means, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's again, it's got the ocean holes. It's got the beauty. People say, oh, if you take the ocean away from Pebble Beach, you know, it's a lot of, got a lot of boring holes. All right, well, when you can get, you get done, when you get done taking the ocean away from Pebble Beach, you let me know and I'll come back and check it out. Yeah. <laughs> I played um, Chambers Bay. And it's a beautiful view. Yeah. I, I didn't like the course and I've been criticized by that, by some people who just loved it. And I just, and they made a big deal about that. Uh, you know, they, they had, um, uh, Jones was it Reese Jones up there. They had him there that day and they had a couple other people. No, I think it, it was his brother. His, his brother. brother did that one. Yeah. Um, so anyway, and it was a very nice outing and they were really trying to, this was, um, after they had the U S open there, but they had gotten so many complaints from the golfers that they wanted the, the sports, you know, media people to come back and to do all this. Yeah. They wanted the makeup call. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I played it and, uh, I just didn't care for it. Uh, it was just me. That's some people loved it. I didn't like it. Um, I, I didn't like the, I don't even remember what hole it is, but there's one tree on the course, but, uh, and like I said, it's a beautiful view of the Puget sound there and all that. Uh, but there's this crater bunker in front of one of the holes and this sucker is, you have to like get a ladder to get down in there, literally. And, yeah. and it's really narrow. I mean, it's like a little tiny bomb crater that went like, you know, eight feet down or something. I, it just didn't, it just didn't do anything for me. And so, you know, so sometimes these, some of these courses, especially these modern ones, these guys have tried to build a monument to themselves. Sometimes the course is so awkward and makes you feel so uncomfortable. You don't know where you're going and what you should do. Sometimes you got to play it three or four or five times True. before you go, oh, yeah, you know, if you know where to hit it, you might actually, sometimes I find myself liking a course better. On the other hand, certain Pete Dye courses, you play them the second or third time, you're like, oh, I was wrong. This was much worse than I thought. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you hate them even more. So uh, I, I thought the big disaster at Chambers Bay, I haven't played it. I was there for the Open. But what they got wrong was it was the worst. The, the spectators got screwed completely. Yep. They, they had built these, they built these uh, cart paths and they put like a eight foot, six to eight foot uh, wall of turf. You know, it was, it was an aesthetic thing. You could tell he, that Trent Jones Jr. did it because he wanted people in the fairway to not have to see the cart path. Well, okay, great. Well, when they had the open there, they put they roped it off so the fans had to walk along the cart path a lot of holes. Well, they're they're seven feet down; they can't see anything. Right. You know, you could not walk along and follow a group of golfers there. You know, the guys get no. off on one, and you know if you, you couldn't get all the way to the back to the first tee, but if you did, they hit down there, and there was you couldn't you, you know you could walk past the grandstand uh, near the tee box. And you could walk down there with binoculars. You could maybe watch them at their second shot from, you know, way away. And then the only place you could see anything was behind the green. And by the time, but you couldn't get there in, before they put it. No. And you couldn't go on the other way. 10 and 1 and 10 were like blocked off. 
you know, the whole course was like that. There was almost no place you could stand on that golf course to see a golf shot. And the, and what was it? Number eight, I think, had no spectators on the entire hole. So, you know, I think if you're going to hold a golf tournament, part of it's taking care of the fans. And that course, I mean, they built it. They knew they were going to, they knew they were going to try to host a U.S. Open on it. And they should have taken that. I and mean, that was a big blunder that they didn't take into consideration where to put the fans. And I would say for that reason alone, uh, that they should never have another course there until they fix that. Right. No, I has got to be able to see something. You can't put up, you know, okay. You put up some grandstands. Well, how many of the grandstands seat? like 12,000, 15,000. Right. Well, you got 50,000 people there. You're not, you got 40,000 people aren't happy because they can't see. They can't so see. I, I, I was very unhappy. That was to me, the biggest <clears throat> crime was uh, the crime against the spectators that year. And that was unforgivable in my book. Well, when you actually watched it, you could see the film clips and you can find them on YouTube, I'm sure, where people were trying to get, you know, they were, that thing's made out of an old rock quarry. So there's these berms that they tried to keep natural and all that. And, and it's slick, you know, they, they let the fescue grow and what have you. And it's slick up there and you could see people actually slipping and falling. Oh yeah. Too. Well, on top of that, they lost the greens. It's a kind of a. There was a lot of finger pointing going on. I never did figure out who was at fault, but the bottom line it was they screwed up the greens. The greens were no good. The players hated the greens. Uh, they were fast and bouncy, which is the worst. And on top of that, they were this shade somewhere between brown and green. And with the sunlight on TV, you know, TV viewers, you could never see the ball on the green at all. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I mean, a shot in the green, and you're like, where is it? The guy's putting. It's like, where's the ball? Where's the hole? Yeah. It was terrible for TV. It was terrible for spectating. I, you know, it's going to take a lot of bribe money to get any major back there because that was, that was a disaster. And, you know, I don't know if it really, I don't know if it really being done at Tacoma, I don't know if it really got the, uh, got the whole Seattle, Seattle market, which is pretty lucrative. It didn't seem like Seattle got involved in that event as much as it could have. Now, or maybe, you know, so maybe there's politics going on with that, but there's a lot of money in Seattle, a lot of maybe not as maybe not so much in Tacoma. So well, I don't I don't see going back there. Uh, there was you know, they, 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 they failed on almost every front. The course was prepared poorly and the uh spectators were hosed and that ruined it for T V. what what did they get right? I, I don't remember. That doesn't leave much. Well, when we got there there was actually weeds growing on the greens. They had painted the green so that they looked green. Um, you know, they'd sprayed that vegetable oil or whatever it was on there. But there was actually weeds growing in there. And I know that the state of Washington has some pretty stringent rules. because. And the other thing is, because it sits right there on the sound, they maybe couldn't use the herbicides or whatever. I don't know the backstory there. But I do know that when we were putting... And it was, it was this painted green. And then you, if you really looked, you saw all these little weeds in the green. Now, I don't know if they were there when the open was going on, because this was, you know, sometime later, but like you said, um, it just, I just thought it was a, a very poor choice because in that area, you know, there's not a lot of accommodations for people. 
Um, and I'm not even talking about hotels, because if you go to golf tournaments and they're on these remote locations, sometimes, you know, you're going to have to drive a ways to get to a hotel. Okay. That's a given, but there's not a lot of food venues there. There's, there's just the normal accommodations of everyday life. If you want to put it that way, they're not available there at Chambers Bay. So anyway, that's my thoughts on it. Yeah, I agree. It was, it's not scratch it off the list. I don't think we need to go back, but you know, they could, they could fix some things. They could fix some things and you know, it would be usable. Yeah, it would. Well, Gary, it's been great to talk to you again. We'll get you back on here a little later in the summer and uh, maybe we'll see how the tour shakes out. And uh, I recommend if folks, if you're listening to this hop on morning, read uh, Gary's always got stuff in there. Uh, it's always fun to read. I've always loved his take on things and, um, you know, it's free. That's a good thing too. It's free. You, you give what you pay for. <laughs> and, uh, now I'm, I'm going to put my mask back on now to be safe. There you go. Uh, you know, I, it's, uh, I told a joke on my other show yesterday it, because of COVID to say the Powerball is now up to a pack of 18 Charmin. So there you go that's pretty good yeah you like that all right um uh, folks i'm gonna consider consider it stolen okay you got it um we'll be back next week with another edition of after hours here on grilling at the green and take care everybody <laughs>